0: Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught." In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the divisions of Abiah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I better get something by way of a timekeeper or you'll be here tonight. Okay. Just to make sure that you're not. Let's pray together. Lord, we do pray that you'd speak to us this morning from your word in Christ's name, amen. So it's back to church Sunday and some of you are saying, well, I've never been away and that's great. That's, that's fantastic if that's true. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I, I have been away. It's been the summer. There's been other things going on and uh, hopefully you're saying it's good to be back. And maybe some of you are here for the first time this morning. And uh, I really pray that you'll encounter God and that all of us will encounter God in this place. Welcome home, as it were. Maybe some are putting their toe in the water this morning, just wondering what it's all about. Well, we pray that God will meet with us, that his word will do a deep thing in us and that his spirit will move upon our lives. As I said, it's a new series of talks and uh, we're beginning here this morning this uh, passage from Luke's gospel. And Luke begins, inasmuch as you have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke, who writes this uh, gospel account, also wrote the book of Acts. He was an evangelist. So he was someone who was into church planting, he was someone who saw people come to Christ, he was someone who was gifted in sharing the gospel with, with others, and he was someone who led men and women into a relationship with Jesus. He was also by profession, we reckon, a, a physician, a doctor. A, a, and so he, he cared for people. He, he was interested in people and he was interested in their well-being. He was interested in their physical well-being. He was interested that they would, that they would uh, thrive, that they would do well as a physician. And he was a Gentile, we reckon. Not sure about that, but most would reckon that he was a, a, a Gentile and therefore that he had a particular concern and an interest for, for you and for me, for the Gentile world. And he tells the story of Jesus. That's what he does in his gospel because that's his passion, that's his concern to uplift Jesus and to introduce people to Jesus. And he tells the truth because that's what the gospel writers dead, and that's what the the Scriptures contain. They contain truth. It's very important that we get that, that the Bible is full of God's truth. It says here, inasmuch as many as have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us. His Word's, The words of Luke are true. The words of Luke are thorough. The words of Luke will impact individuals because he goes on to name an individual, a man called Theophilus. And the thing about Theophilus is that he wants Theophilus to be sure of his salvation. He wants Theophilus to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And friends, the Word of God brings that assurance to our hearts and to our souls. To be sure of the things of God, we need to make ourselves familiar and become more familiar with the Word of God. The Bible gives certainty. The Bible gives us assurance of our salvation. I remember when I was first a curate, going to visit a lady, and she had given her life to Christ at a mission uh, some years earlier. But she kept just lacking anything by way of assurance. And, and I said to her, well, in a gentle way, uh, you know, how do you read your Bible? And it, it, it turned out that she really didn't have, uh, have any systematic fashion at all, really, of, of reading the Scriptures. And I began to mention just some Bible verses very gently to her, and one of them was, as, as many as receive him. He gives the right to become the children of God. I said, Uh, Ellen, did you receive him? She said, I did. So what does it say here then that you became, I became a child of God? From that that moment, she, she began to know assurance. She also began to read the Bible. And that grew within her assurance that she was a child of God. Billy Graham many of you know, was my hero in his preaching. He used to say, the Bible says, the Bible says. Friends, it matters what the Bible says, because what the Bible says is true. You and I need to read it. We really do need to read it every day. We've got to get over this thing of of sort of messing about and, and maybe reading a few verses today, and then dipping into it maybe in a week's time, we've got to become those who read our Bibles every day. In today's world, we really need to be those who read the Scriptures every day. We do need to be positioning ourselves to hear the Bible being opened up and expounded to us uh, every week, every Sunday. Twice, why not? If it's feasible, if it's doable for you, in in terms of family life. Do get into a life group. What's a life group? A life group's a group of about eight to ten people, ideally, six to ten maybe. Karen, our new curate, I'll tell you, is determined to take a handle of our life groups and to make them thrive. So if you're not in a life group, maybe you'd consider... Getting into a life group. And if you've maybe asked before about one and it wasn't followed through, sorry about that. But let's, let's make it happen. Let's get into a life group. And meanwhile, or maybe alongside, until you get started in a life group, if that's where you want to go, or if you're not going to go the life group route, then come along to the, the teaching time that Mark will be running week by week uh, called Word to Action. Let's take the Word of God really, really, really seriously. We see that in these opening verses of Luke's Gospel. Moving on. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. You see in these couple of verses, the sort of people that you and I should want to become. I'm going to say that again. We say here the sort of people that we should long and desire and want and be praying that we might become. People who like Zachariah and Elizabeth were described here as righteous before God. They were right with God. They lived righteously before God and they did it in a world that was hostile to God. They did it in a world of confusion. They did it in a world of moral uh, mix and mess. They did it in a world of rebellion. They did it in a world where some were religious but really didn't really want to follow the one true and living God. Every bit as dark as our world today, but they were righteous before God and were told that they walked blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. That should be our desire. I was really struck recently at one of our staff meetings when one of the staff used a phrase and it has really been sitting quite heavy upon me since... The phrase, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. That's not that we would be afraid of God, but that we would recognize who God is and who we are. That he is holy. That actually he holds us. He holds the world. He holds the planets in his hands. He is the Lord. He is the Almighty. So the character happens. My character, your character really matters. Matters. Holiness is important. And we see here in these verses what all of us should long and pray might become our story. That we would be those who are righteous before God. That we would become those who walk blameless in all the commandments of God. Not Picking out and saying, Well, I don't really need to follow that one. I'll kind of edge that one out because that one makes demands on me that just for this season of life I don't want to follow uh-uh. Holiness. Holiness and obedience. Now there was for this couple a, a personal sadness in their lives. They were they were childless. Uh, And that was a big deal in the culture of the day. It affected things like inheritance. It, It affected big time their own sense of value and worth and how society would treat them. You see, you and I should long to live righteously before God and to keep His commandments and His statutes, not to earn our salvation, but that should flow out of our love for Him. And guys, regardless of how tough or challenging or difficult life is, we're called to be disciples of Jesus. To love Him, to follow Him, and obey Him, and put Him at the center. Little phrase that captures that is love God anyway. I think there was a poem written entitled that, I'm not sure, but love God anyway, regardless of your disappointments or difficulties. The gospel invites us, challenges us, says to us, and this scripture encourages us to love God anyway. Moving on. The the people of God on one side of the temple are worshiping on the one hand. And on the other side, the crowds are, we're told, praying. The result is the miraculous power of God, the supernatural presence of God. Friends, the church must pray. We've got to be a praying church. We must take seriously prayer. When there's a prayer meeting, we need to not see it as something as for the, the few, but actually we need to find a way to pray that works for us. And I know there's challenges around the busyness of life today, but we've got to find ways to pray. And worship is something that we really have got to pursue and go for, not just for an hour and a Sunday, but in how we live our lives. The supernatural part of Christian discipleship is clearly and evident here. There's the ministry of angels. It's part of Christian discipleship. There's ministry then of being like angels because angels delight in Jesus. They delight in his lordship, and that's our calling that we would not so much see as a, as a chore to love and follow Jesus Christ as Lord, but our greatest privilege and joy. The fear of the Lord, like it was for Zechariah, needs to be part of our Christian discipleship. Someone said, if angels are so awesome what must the Lord of angels be like? If this angel that appeared to Zechariah had the impact upon his life that this angel has in, this, in these moments that he's, that he's terrified, if an angel can do that, what, what must the Lord of the angels be like? We worship an incredibly awesome, powerful God. And we're told here that the child that would be born out of uh, this uh, miraculous encounter that God had with Zachariah and with Elizabeth, that this God, that this child would be great before the Lord. Friends, that must be our prayer. That your greatness. The greatness of your children and your children's children. My greatness, our greatness, the greatness of any church family would be greatness before the Lord. For the Lord and for the glory of God. Holy. As this child John would be holy. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Which is the promise that's given here. Cry out for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in these days as we move forward. Finally, the church's task today hasn't changed from these verses 16 and 17 that speak of the ministry of John the Baptist. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. The task that's mine, the task that's yours is that we would give off ourselves to the things that will last forever. That we would give of our resources and of our money to these tasks to turn many of the children to the Lord their God, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, for what purpose? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's, I remember being told when I first became a Christian, the only reason that the Lord isn't going to take you home right away, is that you would live the rest of your life to make ready a people that would be prepared for the Lord's return. That's our challenge, friends, as followers of Jesus, that we would so live our lives, that we would so allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Lord of every part of our lives that we would spend the rest of our lives giving ourselves to the task of making ready a people to meet the Lord on the day of his return. Can we please stand?